0: Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love, where talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Today's podcast title is Introduction to Bottoming, a Physician's Perspective. My guest today is Dr. Evan Goldstein, a nationally renowned anal surgeon and the founder and CEO of Bespoke Surgical, the leading private practice in New York City, specializing in an elite standard of sexual health and wellness care. His practice caters to a wide range of clientele, but the majority of his patients are LGBTQ. Dr. Goldstein, also the founder of co-founder of Future Method, an innovative sex care brand that is the result of Dr. Goldstein's years of experience working with his clients and understanding their sexual needs. He's considered a preeminent expert and thought leader in the field, committing to edu- committed to education and awareness, not only bringing the important issues surrounding sexual health to the forefront, but also eliminating the stigma attached to anal engagement. In order to relate to a wider audience, Dr. Goldstein leaves the medical jargon behind and communicates in a straightforward, direct, breaking down taboos and allowing for conversational and open discussion. He also published in many media outlets, including NBC.com, GQ, Men's Health, Cosmopolitan, Forbes, and many others. He was named New York City's top LGBTQ plus business leader by Cranes New York in 2020. That's great credentials. It's great having you here, Dr. Goldstein.
1: Oh, thanks for having me. How are you?
0: I'm great. How's it going for you tonight?
1: Oh, good. Everything's great. Ready to talk
0: about ass or what? Ready to talk about ass. And I'm going to tell you the irony of this. I am probably one of the um, uh, minority, I think, but uh, of gay men that have never had anal sex. I've never done it. I've never received it. It doesn't interest me. Um, but I'm going to talk about it for two episodes with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. All right. Maybe at the end, we'll we'll get you to convert.
0: I know. I've always been told that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a lot to say about it. So let's start. Um. Let's just t- first talk about your sexual pra- your se- surgical practice.
1: My sexual uh, you- preferences, okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: You describe it as an elite standard of sexual health and wellness. Will you speak on that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I started Bespoke Surgical about 10 years ago because I saw that there was a huge need in the community. Uh, people weren't going beyond just HIV care. There was so much more to gay men's life that I started to realize, well, wait a second. What happens if somebody gets injured? Or what happens if I'm a top and I want to start engaging and, and becoming more a bottom? Uh, how and who and what? And then I realized that there's actually nobody out there. There's nobody that is talking about the narrative, um, is being honest with the way people engage, um, not destigmatizing. Not uh, creating taboos and making things worse, but really opening up, pun intended, um, (laughs) the the world to allow people to do what they want to do when they want to do it and know that they have someone to support it. Um, And that was the birth of my baby, right? Um, And so what we do is we do a lot of preventative care. We do a lot of sexual analytics of understanding what people want sexually and then I do a lot of surgeries, um, whether it's correcting people because they've gotten injured doing something or someone like you that says, it's not interesting to me. I, I feel pain every time working with people um, to kind of connect the brain of, hey, I do want to engage sexually, but the physical of there's certain things that are restricting me to do that. Um, I really, and it's been pretty amazing.
0: I like what you're saying, especially in the beginning when... Uh, I remember Queer as Folk in the 90s, um, you know, we watched it and then Brokeback Mountain. They make gay sex look so easy, like, oh, you just do this. And then and (laughs) I remember, you know, I had a lot of straight clients that would say they feel shamed by the media because they make it look easy. And I never related to that because you never saw images like that.
1: Totally, totally. And I think that, you know, it's it's a rough life being a bottom. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong and there's a lot of preparation and there's a lot of stigma even within our own community as it relates to uh, how clean or how dirty or what's acceptable and what's not. Um, Some of it's founded and most of it's not. But the reality is, is, well, if I am committing myself to engaging in a certain way, how do I make sure that what and how and when they're doing it? is as safe as possible so that they are not harming themselves and then obviously anybody else that they're engaging with. I like that. And I like you ending the stigma because you know, there's that terrible joke. I don't even know if it's still around, uh, who pays for the
0: wedding, the father of the bottom. I mean, it's like because <laughs> he's often looked at as feminine and it's so awful, really, isn't it?
1: Totally. I mean, I think that, you know, the best thing for our communities is everyone, race car drivers and football and all this stuff, people coming out and realizing that there's a it's not the fem submissive bottom i tell people all the time that that's so antiquated um and and it's kind of racist in a yeah. in, in a way i mean i think the key component is is sexual desire and sexual positioning uh doesn't equate anything to any of that that we're talking about so it's it's really trying to destigmatize all of that so people just move on and enjoy their sex lives the way that they want to.
0: Now, given that you're in New York, do you have straight men also that come in who bottom?
1: Totally. I have, um, I'd say about 80 to 85% of my practice gay men uh, and more and more straight women and men coming in. Okay. I think that a lot of that is that there are definitely straight men that do engage anally and have anal play in some capacity. Yes. Um, And a lot of post-pregnancy women are dealing with kind of surgical issues that they lose their sexy, whether it's just vaginal sex or, and, or anal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of anal is very in right now, you know, even in all communities, <laughs> you know, when you're, when you, when you look at the media, you know, teen Vogue and Vogue and Cosmo and everybody's talking about anal sex. Um, and so it's like this like thing, you know, and, and thankfully, you know, my practice and what we've been doing is, is now reaping the benefits of everybody talking about it. Yeah. The reality is that everybody has an ass, everybody shits through it. And many people want to take things (laughs) up it. And so the question is, How do we just do it in the safest way possible?
0: Yeah. You know, one of my um, taglines that I've I've made up as a sex therapist is, because a lot of straight guys do like pegging to be pegged, to be anally penetrated, and they come in. Therapists tell them they're gay or bi. uh, They think they're gay or bi. The wives think they're gay or bi. And I say to them, listen, your anus doesn't have a sexual orientation. It doesn't know whether it's gay, straight, or bi. It's an anus, and it's as a prostate. That's it.
1: Exactly. And I think that that's the key is people don't understand that, you know, there's so much positive sensations as it becomes. Why do you think bottoms bottom? It's it, obviously there's something to it. Yes, right. <laughs> you know, there, there's a positive to it. So I think that, and let me tell you, when these straight guys first experience a prostatic orgasm, the way that it should be by pegging and being stimulated, it, it it'll get you to beyond places from mm-hmm. an orgasm perspective that. You know, that's the reason why people are talking about it because clearly yes. there's some positive
0: with it. So, how do you start these conversations with your clients? I mean, they're coming in, starting it. Is that right? Or do you? Yeah,
1: you know, I think it. You know, building a practice uh, uh, over these years, you start to see what works and what doesn't. Right. I think just similar to what you're doing, you, you have to have an environment that's inviting, even before they come to the office. So. Uh, you know our online platforms of registering um you know minimizing all the paperwork, making sure that like our staff is accustomed to understanding that someone may be gender non conforming or someone you know where they fall in these lines, and just making it easy it's already a shitty topic literally right <laughs> yes. you know and and so people and when people are talking about the ass they they just can't or they just it it or they or they go through this problem year in and year out and be like they're like, I know I should be doing something about it. I should be doing. But yet you don't. Why? Because Americans, you know, don't talk about sex and they don't right. talk about anal. Um, and so, you know, and, and that becomes how do we as practitioners break down those barriers just so that people feel comfortable to make an appointment, right? Yes. Uh, and then obviously when they come to, first of all, most people know who I am because they've they've kind of Googled around and, and, and when they know that I'm gay and I'm out and I take it up the ass, they're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) They're like, you know, I can be quite frank and communicative of who I am and what I want to be sexually. So I I think that that's the first part, but believe me, I see all comers, you know, I see people that come to me and they're shaking and, and I say, okay, I'll start the conversation. And I'll start simple stuff like medical problems and detailed histories and are you on medication? And once we start kind of getting through all the nuts and bolts of this, then I'm able to kind of say, okay, where are we? Where are we with shitting? Where are we with sex? And and by the time that we're there, we're kind of there finally feeling comfortable like, hey, okay, this is what I need to do to move forward.
0: You know, this is really revealing too, even for me, because you see gay men talking about it all the, it seems like gay men are talking about it all the time, but they're not really,
1: are they? They're not. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, we always joke, and my partner and I, whenever we go to a dinner party and someone says, oh, well, what does Evan do? What do you do, Evan? And then everyone goes, oh, shit, everybody's going to start talking. And it's true that everyone at the table is like, oh, man, my ass hurts right now. Or I'm to come and see you or these things. So I think that it is a conversation piece, but to initiate the conversation is still very, very difficult for many. So let's get right to it. So what do you recommend um, when you say a list of things people should discuss before they try bottoming? What are they? I think the first thing is for people to understand anatomy. Uh, you know, if you think of the ass, it's not overtly complicated. It's skin and it's muscle. And whenever you are doing, whether shitting or having sex, the key is well is the skin opening up, is the muscle relaxing? And to what degree, Right. If someone's having pain anally, most of the time the muscle and the skin is a little too tight. And every time that they're doing it, they're tearing or causing hemorrhoids or some issues. So I think understanding that there's muscle and there's skin, understanding that we need the skin to fully relax. And the, there are three sets of muscles in the ass. There's two of them that you and I control, meaning if, you, if I tell you to squeeze your ass right now... You're squeezing two out of the three muscles. Oh, the third muscle is one that you and I don't have much control over. And that's the one whether you're topping somebody where you're having sex and you're like, why won't this person relax? And they're like, I'm trying to relax. I'm trying to relax. Well, it's usually that second kind of ring of muscle that takes time to fully relax because you don't have much control over it and that's the one that will suck up
0: like if you put something up there that you can't retrieve isn't that <laughs> yes, the muscle right exactly. that's
1: a nightmare that is a nightmare that is true that that's where it closes kind of on its own without your um without you choosing to do so and then obviously it can lend itself to complications some obviously you can't engage and or others like you said things get stuck in there i think the notion that people think anal sex should be painful hmm. You know, people think that pain is normal, and the answer is that no, pain is not normal. Mm-hmm. People think that bleeding during anal sex is is okay. Like, no, bleeding during anal sex means that there's something not right.
0: Yeah, whether, this is
1: whether you're douching incorrectly or cleaning, and we'll get to that, or whether you're you're um, having a tear or a hemorrhoid or something that's causing it. But there shouldn't be pain. There shouldn't be bleeding. People think that you can go from nothing up your ass to something huge. in your Right. Ass. Right. And they're like, Oh no, tonight I'll be, I'll bottom. It'll be fine. Like, <laughs> well, no, hold on a second. The bottoms that are bottoming bottom all the time. And when they're bottoming all the time, it allows things to fully dilate and stretch and open and do what it needs to do on command. But if it's, Hey, I'm going from nothing and I'm going to something huge, then there is going to be injury. And There's going to be issues. and That's why we talk a lot about using toys and dilating and doing it on your own, like right before your shower or in the shower, using a dilating kit. We at Bespoke Surgical started a shop on our website, hmm. um, more so to educate people. I, you know, I, I put products out there all the time and it's all well and good. We, we want to sell products, but the key for me was People always ask me, "Well, what lubes do I use, and what dilators do you recommend, and how do I position it, what do I do?" So I kind of put my protocol of how do I go. So this is something for you because you're the big old top. There is <laughs> how do we how do we go over four to six weeks from nothing to actually having sex, mm-hmm. and the dilating process is about that four to six weeks. You do about a week or two of just the small toy trying to get the skin and the muscle to learn to relax, but also to get it to strengthen. And what do I mean by that? Skin is very fragile there. So I equate it to you and I going to the gym. If we're lifting weights with the bar, we'll get some calluses from the bar on the insides of our hand, right? It's the same concept. Uh, With the toy, I want the skin to start getting stronger and more distensible, So that when we're having sex or when we're using toys or fists, those pressures can be so great that we don't want the skin or the muscle to have issues. Mm. So it takes time. So one to two weeks of the small toy, one to two weeks of always starting with the small, but then going to the medium and then working your way up. And then I always tell people after about four to six weeks, if you feel like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling sexy. I'm not bleeding. I'm not in pain. I'm feeling good. Then I could say, okay, now we're ready to have sex. How are we going to do that? Well, you're going to use the toys either before sex or in sex as foreplay. We're going to then have you sit on them where you're not going to be submissive. Mm -hmm. Even if you want to be submissive, the first couple of roles, you need to kind of be positioning yourself. Most people are on top, working it to see what works, what doesn't. Learn your anatomy, learn your pelvis, and figure out then... How to make it sexy and not mechanical, but making sure that your mind is constantly analyzing, how do I just make this more pleasurable, but also safer from a risk perspective? That so makes total Total sense,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, I want to clarify: I'm not a top, I'm not a bottom. So I actually coined the term "side," and we have a Facebook group. So I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't identify either way. And I don't know, you know, it's, it's not erotic for me. It doesn't even sound erotic. But I don't know if it's because one, I remember Dear Abby in the '70s had this thing about anal sex, and she said you have to be careful; your anal walls will cave in over time. Do you ever hear
1: that? Yeah, that's not true. It's well, a couple things. It's okay. more of this prolapse that happens. What happens is, is that when people are having a lot of sex or with big toys, big cocks or the fisting, what can happen is the, the muscle and basically starts to not function where it comes back to be oh. as tight. And so some people love it, actually, where they, they prolapse and they create those rosebuds and but it's a very very short half life with that because what happens is is that all of a sudden it starts to get beyond that and it starts to prolapse and come out way too much where sometimes you can't get it back into where it needs to you need surgery it can be quite catastrophic and oh. I see and I don't know if you're seeing this too but I see a lot of younger generations 20 year old 25s that are into fisting very early on yeah, and they don't have the education to support that as what's the right way to do it and not. And what they're doing is they're coming to see me in their late twenties with prolapse already. Mm. And then you start to say, God, what, what can we do to educate, create narratives? I want people to fist and do what they want, but there's certain things that you could do while you're engaging in that type of sex to combat all those complications. That's so important. Nobody, I've never heard somebody talk about that ever. You're the first person.
0: It's crazy, right? Nobody yes. talks about it. What about um, you talking here about diet and exercising that can affect preparation for anal sex? What, what is that like?
1: Yeah, I think the key component for us is people are so stigmatized from shit on the dick. Right. It's like, yes. Right. Like, yes. and, And in our, and in our society it's like, you need to be cleaned or you're going to be completely shamed. Now that's bullshit. Right. I mean, and so first of all, I remember having a straight colorectal doctor give us a lecture. And he was like, if we line up 10 people here and we don't ask them to douche or clean out and we just have sex with all of them and we see who's dirty or not, Eight out of ten will be completely clean, mm. regardless. And the reason is is that where we engage anally, shit isn't there. So understanding anatomy, meaning, mm. when we're ready to go to the bathroom, the stool is way high. It's in what's called the sigmoid colon, nowhere near where you're going to go with average anal sex. When we feel the urge to go to the bathroom, the stool moves into the rectum, and then we shit it out. Mm. The reality is that that area is is most of the time clean. So the key for people to understand is, well, how do I know that? Well, prove it to yourself. Use toys without cleaning yourself and show yourself, oh, wow, I am really clean. Mm. When we're douching, we're causing lots of issues and higher risk HIV transmission, higher risk STDs. When you look at the microbiome, we're altering the microbiome by using water and solutions that are not suitable Mm. for this. So when I talk about probiotics and diet and exercise and fiber, I'm trying to bring kind of whole body gut health into the mix, not just anal health, because if you're just doing anal health, you're overdosing just Mm. in that connotation. So the key for me is to say, okay how do we look at your diet? How do we look at exercise? How do we add fiber? So that you are putting yourself into that eight out of 10 times position where you're actually clean. And then if you do want to douche and clean out, it's again, understanding that less is more. And and that was the impetus. and, And we'll get into it probably in the next of why I started Future Method. But Future Method is all about positive practices for all communities, specifically the anal. And it's looking to say, well, if we are going to douche, which 70 to 80% of our community does, how do we now put a, put a product out there that is going to be safe, Yeah, that is going to not cause all of these alterations of the microbiome and higher incidences of issues um, and make it sexy? Because yes. the reality is, is that it should be sexy and there should be a lot of really feel good products that we have specifically geared towards our communities Because why the fuck not? We deserve it. Yeah. Right. And and that was the impetus for, for future method and the analytics of how do we analyze the before sex, the during and the after to make sure that we're trying to minimize risk in anything that we do, maximizing pleasure and just making it the best scenario and methodology that we can.
0: Yeah, I mean, that for sure is not talked about. Um, And even though I don't have anal sex, my friends are always talking about it. And of course, my clients have too. And I've never heard someone talk about um, douching and that increasing the chances for HIV infection or other STIs, right? Because you're tearing and you're...
1: you're And you know, the interesting thing is that I don't think STDs and HIV happen from sex. I honestly think it's the bottom that is primed. Incorrectly, and mm. then the transmission happens. Meaning, when you look at it, and we work really a lot with a lot of different universities and, 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 P, and, and scientists that study this, but if we were to line up 10 people and we swab them anally, we could actually know from their swabs whether or not they have anal sex. Mm. And the reason is there's this increase in a certain bacteria that happens from overdouching, from lube, and from sex. And that increase in bacteria causes detriment in that area. It's basically raw. And the more you're douching, some people use a shower shot or they'll use other ways or these big bulbs to clean out. But what's happening is is that as you're distending and you're using the wrong solution, you're basically taking away the protective lining Mm. in that area. So now it's raw and you don't even know that it's raw. Now you have sex and then boom, that's where the STDs, the HIV and the irritations can happen. So the key component is trying to make sure that we're douching correctly or if at all, if you don't need to, don't. Uh, We're saying use lubricants in a way that you're dilating and stretching before you even have sex. So we know that the entire anal canal is lubricated appropriately Spit is not a good lubricant, um and oils and stuff are not good; they cause more irritation. so mm-hmm. if you really want to kind of look at all of these to know that like well, if i've been doing all of these you're gonna see and reap all the benefits in a positive way to minimize any adverse outcomes. It just drives me nuts that in
0: Brokeback Mountain he uses
1: spit, and that was allowed in movies. Movies are so goddamn fake. I think that you know the problem that I see also is. Uh, which which irks me a lot is, you know, people view credibility with how many followers you have on Instagram <laughs> or YouTube. Yes. So I see a lot of sex educators who have no credentials other than that they have a big following. Um, and they're putting out all of this information that is completely not valid and scientific at all. Yeah. And then, and people take that and that's just doing everybody a disservice. I yes. think that again, what works for one may not work for the other, but the reality is that there is a right and a wrong way. And if we are taking on this in the right narrative, it, it's really holding everybody accountable to make sure that we as a community are, are voicing what is and should be and porn shouldn't be what people think is a standard practice.
0: Yeah. I've done so many podcasts on that. What What would you like to say? We're going to have to stop in a little bit. Uh, something we did not touch on that you want to make sure listeners hear.
1: Yeah. I think that the thing from my perspective is for people to know that there are people like me out there in the world that do provide this type of service. I do a lot of Skype calls. We do through email or instant messenger There, you know, I there's a really me in New York, and there's nobody else in the world that's kind of doing what we're doing. And so the key for me is, you know, I just had a couple of Skype calls from London and Dubai and 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 all of these places. I, I want people to realize that the world is has moved way beyond just shitting out the ass. <laughs> uh, and, and so you know, the the colorectal surgeons, the practitioners all across the world, like, we need to change our methodologies as to how we approach our patients. Um, and if you don't know the right way, know that someone like me exists, so that you can point somebody in the right way. Yeah, instead of, me having to see second and third opinions after they've had surgeries and everything's fucked up and, and for no other reason than that it was not the appropriate management. Um, So I think that nowadays with the internet and everything that's going on in accessibility, know what you, who you are, what you want and know who's actually able to deliver that care.
0: You really do talk in a straightforward and direct manner and I love it. I love it. That's the way it should be. Where can people find you?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, bespoke surgical, uh, all the channels, that's where, um, I intermix my ass daily ass stuff with my kids and my partner and <laughs> that life on Dr. Evan Goldstein. Um, and then uh future method is the future method on Instagram and future method on, um, all the other platforms and and check it out. And I think the key for us is across all those three is creating narratives that kind of allow people to feel more comfortable in the space.
0: Thank you, Dr. Goldstein, for joining me on uh, Smart Sex, Smart Love. And I do look forward to talking with you again soon and learning more about future method as you've just uh, addressed. And uh, for my listeners, if you want to hear more of my podcast, you can just go to smartsexsmartlove.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Dr. Joe Court, that's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. And if you like this podcast, rate it and review it, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court. You can find me on joecourt.com. That's J O E K O R T.com. See you next time.